Thank you, ladies. Ephesians chapter number one again tonight. Ephesians chapter number one. <coughs> and we'll look at the same text we had last uh, week. Uh, we'll look at the first seven verses of Ephesians chapter number one. And uh, uh, <coughs> this truth uh, last Wednesday, if you weren't here last Wednesday night, I would encourage you uh, to go to our website. You can listen to it, watch it, um, go through the app. Um, if you don't know what that is, don't worry about it, but uh, uh, take advantage of the opportunities we have um, with, the, with the technology. You can go to our website, um, the app. Uh, I've had several, I get, hardly a week goes by that I don't get a message from somebody how much they're enjoying that because they, they might have to work on a Wednesday night or um, they go back and listen to a message that the Lord used, and so uh, take <coughs> take advantage of that. But I would encourage you to go back and uh, listen to last um, Wednesday night, and tonight will be a continuation of that thought. But what a what a great truth of Scripture of a benefit of our salvation. And uh, so we'll look at the same text tonight, Ephesians chapter number one. <coughs> and I'll begin reading in verse number one. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Now our text last Wednesday night, and again tonight, is found in verse number 6, at the end of that verse, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you're saved tonight, you are accepted by God. Pastor, you don't <coughs> know what I've done. If you're saved tonight, if you're saved by the blood that spotless lamb, and that is the only way to be saved, is the applied payment of Christ's sacrifice. If you're saved, you're accepted. Uh, you're accepted. Now, there's some Pharisees that don't like that, but according to my Bible, you are accepted. <coughs> How? In the beloved, because of the Lord Jesus. As I've already mentioned to you earlier in the service, last week the Bible study was accepted in the beloved, and uh, we broke that verse down. I'll do a quick review tonight, but tonight... I want to focus on the benefits of being accepted in the beloved. Now, as we defined it last week, there was benefits in there. We're going to look at some additional benefits or some results, if you will, that take place because we are accepted in the beloved. We're going to look at a few passages of Scripture besides our text tonight. But let's ask the Lord to bless the service. Father, we thank you <coughs> for the opportunity to open the Word of God once again. We, we thank you for our salvation. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. 
in whom is our salvation. And by him we have salvation. Father, I pray that tonight uh, we'll rejoice in our salvation. If there is one here unsaved, may they realize their only hope is through the Lord Jesus Christ. And they can never be accepted. Religion has never caused a holy God to accept a sinful man. But only through Christ are we accepted in your sight. Father, I pray that you'll bless the service this evening. May the Holy Spirit be our teacher, our instructor. May we be ready to receive the instruction this evening. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. I'll review very, very quickly uh, what we went through last week, and it will take us into our Bible study for this week. But of course, that phrase, in the beloved, is what is important to notice. It's what is important for us to put our focus on. Uh, yes, we are accepted. Uh, being accepted by God as a sinful man is not something you can just uh, wish into existence. It's not something you can earn his acceptance. It's not something that <coughs> you can just uh, be inherit his acceptance. No, it is in the beloved. It is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're saved, he, God accepts you. Christian, hold your head up. Get out of your pity party. Quit letting the devil uh, tell you that, that you're, 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 you have no hope, you have no future. You are accepted by God. This world may never accept you, but God will accept you. You may have a family member that never accepts you, but God accepts you. Uh, you this society may never accept you. Friends may not accept you, but God accepts you. I think that's pretty good. I think that's the standard that we ought to be shooting for, and it's in the Lord Jesus Christ. <coughs> we, we took uh, some time last week, and, and I used all of my time and then some uh, to look at this verse, but very, very quickly as, we, as I go through this, we talked about how there is a supernatural fix. That word made, we were made accepted. We were not born accepted. We could not earn being accepted. Something supernatural had to take place because sin separates us from God. So there's a supernatural act that takes place. You didn't save yourself. You can't save anybody else. It comes as, as an act of a supernatural God. We also talked about number two, how uh, there's a provider of grace. And who is that? It's the word he in that verse of scripture. I can stand here tonight and I can tell you without a doubt, I know I'm saved. Without a doubt, I know I'm on my way to heaven. Without a doubt, I know that my sins have been forgiven. You say, well, how do you know that? Because I'm a recipient of grace. There's got to be a giver of grace if there's a recipient. And the giver of grace is God himself. That's how we are made acceptable. We also talked about the guarantee, that little word hath, meaning it's something uh, that, that is done. It is eternal. It is something God has done. And friend, that is a guarantee tonight when God looks at a child of his, he sees the work of Christ. He sees the record of Christ. We are accepted because of what hath been done. We talked about the unworthy. Who's the unworthy? If you don't remember, let me give you a clue. It's us. We are the unworthy wherein he hath made us accepted. Salvation is wonderful to speak of generally. Oh, but it's even better to speak of specifically. He's made 
us. Sometimes we look at other Christians, and by the way, you don't know what's going on in somebody else's life. You don't know what's going on in somebody else's heart. Uh, you, God's been good to you. We look at them and say, oh, if I could ever get to the place where brother so-and-so is. If I could ever serve God, like sister so-and-so could serve God. Let me help you tonight. All of us are accepted by God. All of us are a recipient of God's grace. <laughs> okay? Are you listening? You got this next one? All of us are unworthy. Jesus didn't leave heaven and say, well, some, some of these are worthy and some are unworthy. No, we're all unworthy. This is why this is such a wonderful, encouraging truth of Scripture that we are accepted because we're unworthy. Then we ended uh, last week uh, with a focus on the glorious truth of this whole uh, Bible doctrine, this whole Bible uh, fact is that word accepted. And we talked about how something had to take place before we were accepted. There must be a confession of the need of atonement on the part of the sinner. There must be atonement made by another. There must be faith in the atonement made. Now we use the uh, two sacrifices in the book of Genesis, one by Cain and one by Abel. <coughs> how uh, Abel came as a sinner. Uh, Abel uh, made that burnt offering admitting he needed the atonement of another. And by faith, believing that in, in, the, in the proper time, in the work of, Je- in the work of Jesus, uh, the, it, it, he would come in the fulfillment of time to be that blood sacrifice. And so something had to take place before we are accepted. We didn't just get, wake up one day and say, okay, we're accepted. And so we looked at this truth of being accepted by God in the beloved. Now, let me reiterate this whole uh, truth one more time, and then we'll look at some benefits. Uh, you and I, as a child of God, think about this unworthy, undeserving, a holy, and a righteous God accepts us. We are blessed as a child of God. We say, as a child of God, I have a right to this. As a child of and there's no pride of our own. It shouldn't be in the heart of pride because we're unworthy of it. I use prayer as an illustration uh, of how we can enter into the presence of God. I have that right, not because I'm worthy, but because I'm in the beloved. I'm accepted in the beloved. And we have a holy God. Our sin separates us. The, the, the one who brings us back in the fellowship is the Lord Jesus Christ. That is a wonderful truth. That is a wonderful fact that you and I should hold on to. Now, I went through that very, very quickly. The longer version, you can go back and listen to it uh, from <laughs> last week. But I want to look at tonight uh, the benefits of this fact of being accepted in the beloved. Uh, and before we jump into this, let me just say, I've decided that I'm never, I don't, I'm, I just decided that I don't ever want to get over being saved. Uh, I don't ever want to lose the awe of the fact that I deserve to go to hell. 
But there is a perfect, holy God who in spite of my sin, loved me enough. And don't let verse 5, that word predestinated, scare you. It just simply means God knew. He knew that man was going to sin. And he decided before man was ever created that I'm going to make a way for them to get back to me. I'm going to give my son to, to pay their sin debt so that they could be accepted. He decided that before he ever made man. Knowing what man would do, he said, I'm going to give my son. And we're accepted because of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's time we as Christians decide we believe the Bible. Uh, if your sins are forgiven, they're forgiven. If, Jesus, if the Bible says you're saved, then you're saved. If the Bible tells us uh, that, that once the sacrifice was made, that means we don't have to get saved over and over again. It's time we believe the Bible. It's time that we understand that as a child of God, I am a joint heir with Christ. That means I get everything that Jesus gets. Sometimes we don't like the way that sounds, but my Bible says that's true. It's not because of me. It's not because of you. It's because I'm accepted in the beloved. Hey, the next time you feel rejected by the sinful world, remind yourself that you're accepted by a holy and a righteous God. I emphasized this last week, and I want to make the emphasis again. It's time for Christians to hold their heads up high and put their shoulders back, not because of our own goodness, not because of our pride, but we are accepted by a holy and a righteous God. I am nothing because I'm a sinner, but I'm everything because I've been washed in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am nothing because I'm just a man. I'm flesh and I'm blood. But this Bible reminds me that I am worth something because there's a God in heaven who would send his only begotten son to shed his blood for me. So, friend, I, I'm not going to apologize for being saved. I'm not going to apologize for accepting that gift of salvation. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to look forward to an eternity when I leave this flesh behind. I have my glorified body. I spend all of eternity with, with, with all of the redeemed, praising the Son of God, <coughs> worshiping Him as He should be worshiped, and not being hindered by this old flesh. I don't know if anybody else is looking forward to that. I'm okay with that. But I've decided I'm not going to wait till I get the glory to be excited about being saved. I'm not going to wait until Jesus, until God calls me home and my journey here is done to reap the benefits of being saved. I'm accepted by a holy God because I'm in the beloved. You talk about exclusive membership, belonging to a gated community, it doesn't get any more exclusive than that celestial city. And you don't work your way in. You don't buy your way in. Matter of fact, the price was paid so you could get in. We're in the beloved. 
Now, that in itself is wonderful. But let me just deal very quickly. Let me remind us of some things and benefits that come with being accepted in the beloved. Number one, God deals with us very generously. God deals with us very generously. Is there anything more generous than the Lord Jesus Christ? No. Think about this. We don't take enough of an inventory. Or we don't take the time to really realize how good God is to us. We could rejoice all night just in our salvation. But you know, as a child of God, God does some amazing things for us. Amazing. You know, sometimes we forget these little things. It's like, oh, wow, that worked out a lot better than I thought it would. Don't, don't tell me there's not a God in heaven that on our behalf. How many of you believe tonight that you've been blessed? Well, that's everybody, of course. But let me remind you that God deals with us generously. Well, Pastor, I just, if you knew my life, you would understand that I'm the exception to the rule. Okay, Eeyore. But if you're saved... You've got nothing to complain about. And if you're saved, I promise you, if you'll get your eyes off you and off your situation, I'm not minimizing burdens. I'm not minimizing trials. But God deals with us generously. I am a child of God. I am one of the redeemed. I am a citizen of another country. My DNA can be traced to the God who spoke everything into existence. I'm somebody, not because of me, not because of my works, but because I've been accepted in the beloved through the Lord Jesus Christ. And if I'm somebody because of Jesus, it just makes sense. God would deal with us very generously. He deals with us not as we deserve, but as Christ deserves. All of us would admit that we deserve hell. But you remember when you got saved? You remember the change that took place? You remember the weight that came off your shoulders? You remember the peace that you got? You, you didn't understand it all, but you knew God did something for you. You held on to the faith that you placed in what the scripture was telling you. God was good to you at that moment. Very good. But you don't have to raise your hand because I already know the answer. You, you, you don't have to testify because I already know the answer. But since your salvation, have you failed God? Have you sinned? And yet here we sit, secure in our salvation, because we've been accepted in the beloved. But God still deals with us generously. We're a blessed people, but we don't deserve it. 
Christian, get, 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 if there's anybody that this applies to, get off your high horse tonight. Get off your soapbox. You know, get your Pharisee membership card out and burn it because you being blessed, yes, God blesses faithfulness, but it is only because of a generous God. He deals with us not as we deserve, but as Christ deserves. He deals with us not according to the law, but according to his grace. I like this next statement. He deals with us not as charity. Think about that. He, it's, it was love. But God doesn't bless you and I as a child of his because he's treating us like charity. It is because he deals with us generously. He deals with us not grudgingly, but graciously. Well, think about that. It, how do you think God the Father, well, Scripture tells us how God the Father feels about His Son. Well, according to the text we're looking at tonight in the Scripture, we are accepted in the Beloved. So God deals generously with us. Another benefit is this. We are favored by God. There's something in, that we need to be reminded of. Christ died for all men. All men. He died for everyone. And salvation is available to anyone who will believe. Anybody. Pastor, you, you, mean, you mean somebody who was a Catholic can get saved? Oh, absolutely. Just like somebody who grew up in a Baptist church and depended on something besides Jesus can get saved? Yeah, he died for all men. That's a fact. That's something we know. That's something we're thankful for. But it is also a fact that God knows who belongs to him and who doesn't belong to him. Don't confuse that with a loving God who made a way of salvation for anyone. Once that salvation takes place, we go from damnation to eternal life. We are accepted by the beloved. So as one of the accepted, I am favored. Again, don't confuse that as some twist scripture that God will save some and he's not going to save some. That some, or no matter what they do, they're going to get saved. And some, no matter what they do, they'll never get saved. Because that is not Bible. It's not truth. But there is a fact. Christ died for all. And anybody can get saved. But those that do trust Christ and those that belong to God are favored. We'll not take time to turn to it, but you can mark this reference. Esther 2.17 reminds us, that Esther was favored by the king over all the wives. Who caused that favor? God did. 
Daniel's another example. Daniel chapter number 1, specifically verse 9. Daniel was favored. God is the source of that favor. Those are just but two examples of somebody being favored. Is it not true that Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, is highly favored by the Father? Of course that's true. We as the accepted in the beloved then are highly favored by the Father. Let me, let me give you an example to illustrate this. We, you see this in... It's hard not to get frustrated by it. You see people and you hear people talking about, well, I'll pray for you, or we need to pray for this. And I'm glad that they acknowledge that there is a God to pray to. But if I know my Bible, there's only one prayer of the lost that God hears. And that's the prayer of repentance. Because sin separates us from God. That's why, can, can, I, can I interject in this wonderful truth and this wonderful Bible study, just something that, please don't do this. Please don't ask a lost world or a backslidden crowd to pray for you so that you can get some sympathy. Because if they are unsaved, you say, Pastor, I don't know that I, I believe that. I don't know that I like that. Well, the, let, let me use myself as an example. You know the only way that I can enter the throne room of God is through the Lord Jesus Christ? How arrogant of sinful man to think that he's worthy to enter into the presence of of a holy and a righteous God. It's not happening. That's why, as a child of God, are you with me tonight? We can pray with boldness because I'm not entering the throne, the throne room of God. And, and, and by the way, I didn't enter in that throne room and see his face and see all these things. I went with, on, on behalf, uh, I went on the behalf of others and the things that I needed through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only way that our prayers is through the Lord Jesus. We are favored by him because we are in the beloved. Uh, there's some wonderful benefits of being saved. Uh, and, and by the way, that's why we cannot be afraid to give the lost man the gospel. Too many, too, too, too many, I don't, I don't want to be too, 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 too general, but we got, we, we, we've got to be mindful of that because without salvation, they're never going to be able to know God like they, they could know God. That's why that's our responsibility. Responsibility is not to make man feel good in being lost. Well, you just, you just talked to God about that. They might not be able to. And, and I, I get stopped all the time. 
Some people know I'm a pastor. Some people know where I pastor. Some people ask me, are you a pastor? Um, Depends on why you're asking. You need me to pay your bill? No, I'm not a pastor. Um, I I keep a pocket full of tracts for other churches in the area. And so if somebody's looking for money, I say, here, take this. These people, they got it. They, tell them I sent you. Um, no, I don't do that. But that's kind of a good idea. Um, <clears throat> I forgot my whole point I was trying to make. Oh, pastor, will you pray for me? I say, what's going on? Well, I, well, let me ask you this. And I'll get right to the point of salvation. Uh, that's the greatest need. We're highly favored by God. Number three, this ties right into number three, God has an affection, a great affection toward us. Uh, if, you, if, you, if you have, let's take the time to turn to, to Song of Solomon. Hold your spot there at our text, Ephesians. Let's go to Song of Solomon, chapter number two. Of course, uh, the book of Song of Solomon gives a picture of the bridegroom and the bride. Of course, we know that Christ one day is returning for his church. But I want us to notice something about this relationship in the Song of Solomon that bears out in the life of the Christian. Song of Solomon, chapter number 2. <laughs> Look at verse number 16. My beloved is mine, and I am his. He feedeth among the lilies. Okay, here we see uh, a discovery the, of the fact that I have the beloved. You see it? My beloved is mine. Also says, and I am his. We have that. Well, what a thought. My beloved is mine. Uh, then we see in chapter number 6, verse number 3, I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. He feedeth among the lilies. You, you, you notice the Changing the order there. First, there's a discovery that I have the beloved. Then the realization, he has me. You know, we always think about the benefit of salvation. We get Jesus. I get his record. That's a pretty good deal. But God has me. That doesn't seem like a fair deal, and it's not. That's where grace and mercy come in. But there's a point is, yes, we can grab a hold, but we got to remember that he's holding on to us. What a realization. I have the beloved, but the, the beloved has me. The, 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 the order is flipped there. I am the beloved. I belong to him. That's, the point. That's, that's, a, that's another way of saying what I said earlier. It's time for Christians to realize what we have in our salvation, not just our eternity. Yes, that's important. But, but I, ha- I have things in my salvation, but I'm accepted by God. He's accepted me. He has me. Then notice one last verse in Song of Solomon, chapter 7. Verse 10. I am my beloved's, and his desire is toward me. Not only do I have the beloved, not only does the beloved have me, but he desires me. 
Some, th- some phrases that we as Christians use, and they're even Bible phrases, they're so simple. They're not overused because we need to use them all the time, but I think sometimes because they are so encompassing and so used, we, we, we t- don't, sometimes we overlook what it really means. God loves me. He loves you, but say it, you can say it to yourself as I said it to myself. God loves me. I'm glad God loves you, but I'm a little bit more glad God loves me. Think about it. I, I don't always show it, but I love God. I'm not perfect in my love for him, but I love him. But he loves me. Oh, I don't know if you can relate to this, but I'll just pretend like it's just me in here. I'm unworthy of his love. I don't understand (laughs) why he loves me. In love, if you understand the word love, there's devotion. There's duty, there's responsibility. That's part of love. Love is not when certain circumstances change. I, I just, I, I don't know. Love, there's, there's commitment. You know, to use a trite illustration, there's things around the house I don't like doing, but I love my wife, so therefore I'll do them. I don't like it. But God loves me. I can't earn it. I didn't earn it. I don't know if you can relate to this, but there's been times in my life, and more often than should be, I'm hard to love. But not only does God love me, not only did he love me enough that he sent his son down to the cross to pay for my sins. Are you with me tonight? But he still has affection in his relationship towards me. He didn't show his love one time just out of a duty. Just making sense? Well, as we read in our text, well, I decided before the foundations of the earth that I was gonna, and man was going to be created, he's going to fall, so therefore I better do something or they're going to die and go to hell. It was out of his love that he gave his son. But after, stay with me, after I trusted Christ as my Savior, he didn't say, okay, he's not going to hell He still loves me. He still shows affection to me. Let me blend this in with a little bit of marital home advice. No matter how long you've been married, sometimes you ought to make the kids leave the room. If you know what I'm saying. There ought to still be some affection there. There's still some desire there. I don't know if this is making sense to you, but I got saved a long time ago. God hasn't forgotten about me. God still has a strong desire, strong affection to me. Now, I didn't say gross everybody out in church. I just I said, you know what I mean. 
I hope this makes sense to you. God has an affection towards us. Yes, I have God. How do I have him? Because of the Lord Jesus. But God has me because I'm accepted by the beloved. And he still has a great desire for me. Friend, you, you and I, we're not as lovable as we like to think we are. We're not as easy to love by a holy God. We fail him. We disappoint him. But he still has a stronger love for me as he's ever had for me. He's never regretted sending his son. God has great affection toward his people. Don't forget that. Number four and finally, <coughs> a benefit of being in the beloved is God willingly bestows his blessings. Look at Romans chapter number 8 real quick. Romans chapter number 8. God willingly bestows his blessings. You know, young people listen to me. Everybody listen to me, specifically young people. There is nothing like being a recipient of the blessings of God. This world will lie to you and tell you it's so much better out there. This world can't do for you what God has done for you and what God can do for you and what God will do for you. I'd rather be a recipient of the blessings of God than have all the money in the world. And before you scoff at that, Go down to the cancer ward and see how much it, see if you can buy a cure for that terminal cancer. Hey, knowing your kids and your grandkids are saved, see how much you can buy for that. It, it, it pays to serve God. Notice chapter 8, verse 32 in the book of Romans. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for all of us. You would almost think there was one author of this book. And salvation is woven all throughout it. That's really true, in case you're wondering. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Okay, hear what the verse is saying. If God gave his son, and he did, how shall he not with him freely, also freely give us all things? That doesn't mean you name it and claim it. That's not what that means. Oh, I just, I got to give me $10 million so I can do work for you. Well, you ain't tithing now. Something tells me you're not going to give $10 million in anyway. Last time that we had took a special offer, you didn't give it so. God doesn't really believe you're going to give the $10 million. That's a whole other thing. But if he does, you tithe. Okay? What, what are we being reminded of here? We'll not turn there, but mark, mark in, 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 you can mark it next to verse 32, 1 Corinthians 2.12. You don't have to twist God's arm for him to bless you. You don't have to twist God's arm. He freely blesses you. 
Let me also say, you don't have to deserve the blessings of God because none of us deserve them. And he freely does. Why does he do that? Is it because you're a nice guy? Nope. It's because you're better than everybody else too, right? Nope. It's because you're accepted in the beloved. And because God sees his son, he's going to freely bestow his blessings. Well, it's been a long time since I've been blessed. Your heart beating today? You know whose air you're breathing? Yeah. He freely bestows his blessings. Not only does he freely bestow his blessings, but fully bestows his blessings. With the Lord Jesus Christ and the blessings God gives us, we have a fullness of peace. You hear these prayers that somebody goes through a difficult time. I've prayed them. Lord, give them the peace that only you can give. If you've ever been in the need of those prayers, you can testify. I can't understand it, but I got a peace that only God could give. There's a fullness of peace. A fullness of life. Again, it's an empty life to not, to not serve God. But it's a fullness of life. That's why I think saved people ought to enjoy life more than anybody else. I think saved people shouldn't walk around miserable. I'm not minimizing, I'm not minimizing trials. I'm not minimizing heartaches. But, but everybody has those. But if they're not saved, they don't have the peace that comes with that. And we have that in life. We ought to live a, and we should live a full life through the beloved. He has a fullness of blessings, a fullness of power, a fullness of love, a fullness of joy, a fullness of strength. But a great study on, for a Christian is on strength. And where we get our strength and the fact that we get strength that comes from nowhere but above. Child, God wants to be reminded, one, we did nothing to deserve salvation. We know that. If you think you can earn your salvation, you're not saved. But I'm saved. And I just, I just think, and this has been our subject for several weeks now, benefits of being saved, assurances of being saved. I just believe there's too many Christians who are living their life like all the benefits of being saved are after you die. And let me tell you, those are some benefits that can't be compared. A benefit of being saved is I'll never... Spend a moment in that horrible place called hell. A benefit of being saved after you die is that eternal home in heaven with a glorified body, with the one who paid that sin debt, knowing no sickness, no heartache, no sin. You ever struggled with a sin? You won't struggle with it in heaven. 
Those are some benefits. Those are after-death benefits. But friend, I think it would do this world good to see some Christians who lived while they still had life in the benefits of their salvation. I'm saved not just after I die. I'm saved now. I'm, I'm, I'm redeemed not just after I die. I am right now. I'm a child of God not just when I get to the other shore, not just when I get to the other side, not just when I get to glory. I am redeemed now. I am saved now. I am special now. I am a child of God now. I can relate to Hebrews 11 where it speaks of those who were looking for another country because they're not a citizen here. Yes, those are benefits after salvation, but I'm still saved now. I mean, after, after death, but I'm still saved now. Christian, live like you're saved now. Thank God for eternity. Yes, thank God for eternity. Absolutely. There's no comfort like the comfort of knowing when you bury a loved one. There's no comfort that you can give your loved ones like the comfort of them knowing that you're saved and that there will be a glad reunion day. There's no comfort like that. And, and we will see those that have gone on before us. And we will spend an eternity no, not struggling in this flesh. But friend, I just decided, and you can join me if you want, but whether you do or not, I've decided I'm not just going to enjoy my salvation after I take my last breath on this side. I'm saved now. I'm glad that I'm taking my last breath. My title is clear. My ownership in that celestial city. And when God looks at my account, he'll say, oh, he belongs here. Not because of me, but because he sees the Lord Jesus Christ. But can I tell you something? Tonight, right now, at this moment, the record is the same as it will be when I take my last breath. And friend, let's just decide we're not going to be excited about that then, that we can be excited about that now. We're not just going to live in victory then. We can live in victory now. I'm just to save now as I, as I am there. The only difference will be I'll drop this old robe of flesh. I'll get a glorified body so that I can live in that eternal place. But what a promise that is. But I can have victory in my life now. I can have answered prayers now. I belong to him now. I am sealed until that day now. Why don't we just decide that we're going to be excited about that? Amen. And we know how this devil, the devil does. Is, oh, you're not worthy of being saved. Are you sure? And you can whisper back, yeah, I'm pretty sure. You did this and this and this, and you're simple, this and this and this. Are you sure you're saved? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. How do you know? I'm in the beloved. In other words, I'm with him. And God accepts me because 
of Christ. You think it would make a difference in this world if Christians actually remembered they're saved? Oh, I believe this is true of all of us. All of us. That one day we're going to realize how poor of a testimony we really were. How much of a stumbling block. Because this world, whether they admit it or not, they know they're on a dead end. They're looking. But too many Christians aren't living victoriously for them to see, well, there must be something to that. There must be something. Too many times Christians, you know, we're complaining about the life that we have. And we ought to be an example. Hey, we're saved. We're on our way to heaven. We're in the beloved. Father, I pray.